My name is Joel. I'm one of the community pastors here, and um, just grateful to be with you this morning. Um, let me start by just kind of just sharing a story. Um, a few years ago, um, a number of years ago, more like 25 years ago, um, I was finishing up college finishing up university and trying to figure out what my next steps were. Some of you are in that stage right now, finishing up the university. I did that 25 years ago. Um, and in that time, um, I was trying to figure out the next steps, trying to figure out what, what to do with my life now that I had a certificate in my hand that meant nothing and opportunities that were there. Um, and I, I went out and I said, I'm going to seek God and, and go out into nature in silence and solitude. Um, I had seen a lot of uh, my mentors and others do this, right? They, <laughs> I had read books about people getting out into nature, spending time with God and listening. And so I wanted to do that. I wanted to discern. So I grabbed three days worth of food and a tent and hiking equipment, all that stuff, and headed out to Central Oregon. Um, if you know me, I'm not uh, a camper. I'm not an out outdoorsman. I don't even like to hike, but um, I'll do it begrudgingly with people. But back then, I was so determined to hear God and hear him in the wilderness that I went out to Central Oregon. This isn't wilderness, it's not. But I, in my head it was. So I got out there to the campsite um, on a Thursday night, Thursday afternoon, evening, and I set up camp, made dinner, ate, and then I was ready for bed at 7 p.m., right? And I'm like, have you ever gone, like, is it me or is it like, when you're camping, you go to sleep really early and you get up really early, right? Um, 7 p.m. was way too early. So I laid there in a tent just wrestling with God all night. So frustrated going, where's the experience? How come I can't hear you? This is what I want to do. This is all the opportunities. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, you know? So that was the whole night. The sun comes up in the morning, you hear birds, you hear critters, you hear things that aren't normal, and so you get up. I got up, made breakfast, got changed, and it was 7 a.m. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm here, God, like early morning, in the, in, you know, keep talking, right? So I decided to put on my boots and go hike. And so I ended up near uh, Smith Rock, right? Smith Rock is Central Oregon, beautiful place I had never been. And people just told me, go out to Smith Rock. It's beautiful. You'll love it. Just go find a hiking trail and go. So I did that. Got on a hiking trail and started. Um, I, I, I walked and I walked. And literally by mid-morning, the sun was like on top of me, right? And I felt like I was burning. And I was like, this is the hottest summer 
the hottest day of the summer it has to be, right? And so I look back and I'm, I look back and I see Smith Rock and it feels like it's like two, three miles away. And I'm in this like desert, like just dirt. And I'm like, God, I'm, I'm out of water. I'm dehydrated. I'm like, why did you lead me out here to die? I, in my 20s, I was pretty dramatic, right? Um, and so I was like, this is horrible. I can't hear you. All I want to know is what my next steps are supposed to be. Um, <laughs> so I stood there, and I was like, okay, if this is, it, if this is, if this is what this is supposed to be, then I give up. I decided, I was like, I'm done. I'm going to go back to the campsite, clean up, and go home, right? Because I can't hear God out here. But in the midst of that, as I'm looking around, I'm like, okay, Lord, I, I just give up. Um, you know, I, I remember Jesus, I, I remember that, that when Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done, right? And I, I said that. And that, that, that's what I want to talk about today. I, I, I want to talk to us about that feeling that we have and the experiences that we have where our desire to figure out what our next thing is, our, our focused intentions sometimes, our choices and our decisions that we want so hard to know, right? And, and sometimes we just hold on really tight to our, our desires, our destiny, our, our you know, trying to figure it out. And I think a lot of us wrestle with that. We wrestle with God because we want to do the things that God has for us, but we also want to do the things that we have for us. Does that make sense? So we've been in a series called um, Prayer, an ongoing conversation with God. I've loved this series throughout the summer. It's been challenging um, to think about prayer as a conversation that we're having with God, an invitation to engage in all these different types of conversations. Um, if, you uh, if, you, if you've missed any of them or, or want to go back, I would encourage you to do so um, on the website at missiocommunity.org. Um, if you go to Sunday Expressions sermons, um, you can go back and listen to all those. They're on podcasts and those kind of things. So um, I've listened to a couple over and over again just because they've been challenging, and I would encourage you to do that. Uh, but today we're going to talk about the prayer of relinquishment. Webster's Dictionary uh, defines relinquishment as this, to give over possession or control, to give over possession or control of, or to yield. I didn't realize those year, years ago, while I was standing in the baking sun, praying this prayer of relinquishment, um, that this is what I was doing. I was volunteering voluntarily giving up control and claim to my future and my next steps to God. 
I was voluntarily going, okay, I don't know how to figure this out. I need you to help me. I want to do what you want me to do. I'm going to yield and relinquish control of this. So there's two areas where I would say this is where we want to focus. Um, this is the two areas that I've learned anyways. One is to relinquish the day-to-day. -day. Relinquishing the day-to-day. -day. And two, relinquishing in pain and suffering. So let's look at relinquishing um, of the day-to-day. In Luke 9, 23, it's just one short verse that I want to focus on. Jesus says this in Luke 9, 23. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, we'll save it. Why does Jesus call us to this rhythm of denying ourselves daily to follow him? Why is it important where he would say daily, pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me? I think one is this. Frequently, we hold on so tightly to something good that we don't know that we can receive the greater good that we don't know yet, right? So we hold on to something that we think is good and what we desire. And God says to release, relinquish, to deny, to let go and follow him so that we can see that there might be something better. There may be something better than actually what we think, right, that we're grasping onto, that we're trying to create. God has to help us let go of our tiny vision in order to see the greater vision that he has, the greater vision that he has for us. He wants to reveal himself to us. But when we grasp and we grip and we try and control, it doesn't leave a lot of room to listen. It doesn't leave a lot of room to change. If we are left to our own devices, we fall back into a sinful nature and we follow our desires, and we pursue life where there is no life. Right? Josh Chen uh, always uses that phrase to describe just the things that are passions that we chase after. But we chase after life where there is no life, meaning that when we chase after these things, the, the, we think that it will give us life. We think that it will fulfill us. We think that these things will describe and, and tell us who we are. It, it will bring satisfaction. But in the end, it gives no life. When we are not open and letting go of those things, 
then we hold on to those and we find actually death. So Jesus is saying, again, in, verse, in, in Luke 9, 23, he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. If you would just let go, deny yourself those things, you would experience life by following me. The second thing in our day-to-day relinquishment is this. God wants to transform us. In Galatians 2.20, Paul writes this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. What we're talking about, how I would describe that is like, there's a self in here, and I live for myself. I live for myself things, myself sins, like this. So, so the self stuff is this. It's the self-sufficiency Self-pity, self-aspiration, um, self-aggrandizing, self-deception, self-deprecation, self-indulgence, self-hatred. And on and on it goes, these self-centered things. When we die to our self-fill-in-the-blank, when we die to those things, it means we live from a different place. We relinquish ourself to Christ and his ways, and it is Christ who lives in me, right? It's Christ who lives in me. The hope of all glory lives in me. It is no longer myself. I don't live for this to to meet my selfish things. It's, again, dying to that self. It's, again, relinquishing so that Christ can transform us. As we talk about that, I I heard this quote from Richard Foster, who is a a Quaker uh, theologian. And he talks about when you deny yourself. This is is what he says. Here's here's his warning. When talking about denying self, we are dealing with the crucifixion of the will not the obliteration of the will. Crucifixion always has resurrection tied to it. Crucifixion always has resurrection tied to it. God is not destroying the will, but transforming it so that over a process of time and experience, we can freely will what God wills. In the crucifixion of the will, we are enabled to let go of our tight-fisted hold on life and follow our best prayers. What he's saying there is like, 
that tight-fisted hold, when we let that go, we're able to, to follow our best prayers. The prayers that we pray of God, show me. God, I want to follow you. God, I want you. Our best prayers are those, those are our best prayers when we want to be in line with God. But we have to let go of that tight-fistedness. And it's not an obliteration of our will where we just uh, blindly follow God. It's, it's actually this crucifixion and resurrection of our will. It means something else is coming. Something else is being resurrected. Something else is being transformed in us. I think about that time at Smith Rock uh, whenever I have big decisions to make. I don't feel like I have to go out into the wilderness anymore. I know myself better than that now, right? I find that learning how to die to myself daily, learning how to relinquish those things on a daily basis actually gives me the ability to freely will what God wills, right? To be able to discern. The daily dying to myself has helped me to exercise that muscle for the big decisions, right? There are times I would say, yes, get away. Find that time to focus and listen to God. But it's not about the magic of the outdoors or wherever you go to your spaces that make you feel connected to God. It's not that. It actually is this, when that tight gripped, you know, is finally let go. That's what we're talking about. The prayer of relinquishment is an examination of self. We hear from God what area of the self it is that we need to relinquish to him. We hear what area of our self that we actually have to relinquish to him. The second area that I want to talk about is the prayer of relinquishment in the midst of pain and suffering. What does it look like to pray a prayer of relinquishment in the midst of suffering and pain. I go to the example of Jesus in the garden in Matthew 26, 39 through 46. There's a couple different examples in the gospel, like the account of this, but I'm going to stick in Matthew 26. Um, on that night that he was betrayed, Jesus went to the garden of Gethsemane. He took his disciples there, asking them to come, asking them for their support, asking them to stay awake and to pray with him. And so it says this, Matthew 26, 39 through 46. And going out a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and he, 
found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, and for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed a third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us, go, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. For believers, this is a pretty familiar passage, right? We read the garden account during Good Friday services and the weeks leading up to Easter. We remember the agony that Jesus went through before submitting uh, to the Father. He allows himself to go to the cross. We see Jesus and his intensity, his emotion, his desperation in the garden as he collapsed to the ground. And he cries, Father. And then in other, other passages, like in Mark, the account says, he says, Abba. Right? This intimate relationship he has with God, saying, Father, Abba. So Jesus, he, he's, he's crying out to his daddy. He says, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Friends, that if, it doesn't mean that Jesus is doubting that God could take the cup away. It's not like, if you're powerful enough, do this for me. He knows God is powerful enough. He knows God is the creator of the universe. Right? The if that he is saying is, if you're willing, can you make a different choice? Would you do that for me? I don't want to go through the pain. I don't want to go through the suffering. I don't want to go to that cross. If there's any other way, can we find another way, Daddy? Do you hear the agony? Do you see? Three times he's wrestling with God. And he's not doing it alone. He's asked his friends to go with him. His three closest friends who, by some accounts, people are saying, it's not because it was late in the evening that these guys were falling asleep. It's because they were so overcome with grief that they were dog tired. That, you know, when you get so tired and you're like, oh my gosh, I, I just need to sleep. That's what some theologians believe, is that it was the friends that were with him were so tired and watching Jesus that they could not hold themselves up anymore. They were exhausted. Jesus is exhausted. He's crying. It says even in some accounts that he's sweating blood. Right? They say there's medical conditions under extreme stress that blood can actually come in, in your sweat. This is where Jesus is at. He is done. He is so, so in distress. 
And the prayer of relinquishment here is going, Daddy, is there any other way? Richard Foster says this, to applaud the will of God, to do the will of God, even to fight for the will of God is not difficult. Let me say it again. To applaud the will of God, to do the will of God, even to fight for the will of God is not difficult until it comes out of a cross-purpose with your will, our will. Then the lines are drawn, the debate begins, and the self-deception takes over. But in the school of, the Gethsemane, of Gethsemane, we learned that my will, my way, my good, must yield to higher authority. See, what Foster is saying is that yeah, it, it's actually not that hard to applaud the will of God, to do the will of God, to fight for the will of God, until it crosses your will. When it doesn't match your will, that's when the line is drawn. That's when you start to debate, is this the will of God for me? And that's when you start to fight. Jesus is going, is this your will? Is this the best way? Are you serious? I have to go hang on a cross. I have to go be tortured and die. Is there any other way? Don't forget that Jesus, in his dialogue with the Father, had a choice. Jesus had a choice. He could have avoided the cross. He could have said no. He had his own will. He was human. He could have said no. He could have said, I'm done. Peace out. We're gone. I'm not doing this. Jesus has free will, a genuine choice. He has to wrestle with his father. He has to agonize over the choice. Is there any other way? he freely chooses to relinquish his will to the Father's will and goes to the cross. Jesus chooses to go through the pain, through the suffering, trusting that God's way is always good and right. That is not easy, especially when you're in the midst of pain, especially when you're in the midst of suffering. My experience over the last two years, this passage becomes so real. When my mom passed away uh, in April 2021, it was not the way that I imagined it to be. My mom was sick for a few years with kidney failure, ended up moving to Vietnam and wanting to live her last days out in Vietnam. In April, right during about Easter time, she ended up in the hospital for two weeks. So in this hospital in Vietnam, she was suffering 
She was losing weight. She was, she was not in good shape. None of my siblings or, or any of our families were able to get to Vietnam because of COVID. My dad was the only one there. And he wasn't even able to be with her in those moments. He would see her in passing during the kidney dialysis, dialysis treatment. My mom passed away three days after my birthday on a Friday. By Sunday afternoon, she was buried and in the ground. The only experience that we could have during that time was actually through Facebook Messenger with people just holding cameras and showing us what was happening. Not the storybook ending that I imagined. In those two weeks of her suffering, I pleaded with God. I was like, do something. Change the story. Do a miracle. Give us a chance to talk to her. Give us a chance to see her. And it didn't happen. I was so mad. I was so hurt that God didn't answer my prayers. And I was confused because how is this the best way, God? How is this the right way? It took about six months of me just wrestling and just being kind of here with God, there with God. And I finally went to my counselor. And my counselor in therapy, he was like, he told me, part of handling grief um, is coming to a place of acceptance. There are things that happen that I couldn't change. There are things that happen that are out of my control. So acceptance means that I had to relinquish my desire to rewrite that story. To think that my way was a better way. I had to come to a place where it says, not my will, but your will. Not the way that I want it done, but the way that you see fit to have it done. You see, there's no way out of experiencing pain and suffering or grief and loss. That is just part of humanity. There's only one way through it, though. So I could either go through this with God and wrestle with him in it, or I could go through it alone and be bitter and angry. Whichever way I chose, I still had to go through it. We still have to go through the pain and the suffering. So it's a is it going to be with God or is it going to be on your own? Mary Kate Morris, um, a professor and a mentor of mine at um, Portland Seminary, 
she says this. Suffering is everywhere because of evil and a broken world. No one escapes it. We can follow in Jesus' steps when we enter into our cup of pain. She goes on to say, we often limit our prayers to our requests and concerns. But Jesus brought to God times of extreme distress and confusion. Prayer is a place where the most difficult personal issues of suffering, betrayal, and the world's evil are brought to God. In the garden, Jesus' Jesus's prayer was not answered, but his assertion of trust in God was declared. In prayer, we face the world's evil and accept the power of grace to overcome. The brilliance of grace is its capacity to convert evil to something holy and redemptive. Our pain, our suffering can become something holy and redemptive. It is not easy. And it might be a long process, but it can be holy and redemptive. Relinquishment is an overarching theme for God and in his word. Abraham had to relinquish his son, Isaac. Moses had to relinquish his understanding of how the people of Israel would be delivered. Mary had to relinquish control to her future. Paul relinquishes his desire to be free from prison and to be released from that thorn in his flesh. Friends, there are times in our lives that we come to the end of ourselves. We realize that we can't control everything. We can't will ourselves any further. And the best thing that we can do is to relinquish control to God. Because his ways are always good and right. I want to take us through uh, some practices of relinquishing prayer to give you kind of just some hand, um, handlebars, <laughs> something to hold on to as you go forward, some practical things. Um, you've seen me uh, talk about the welcoming prayer. And this is one of the prayers that I pray almost daily now. Um, it's When I sit down at my desk, it's the, the thing right in front of me. And so uh, we're going to put it up here, and let me read it to you. And this is what I read um, in mornings or sometimes when, um, when I know I'm gripping too hard. The prayer goes like this, welcome, welcome, welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me today because I know it is for my healing. I welcome all thoughts, feelings, emotions, persons, situations, and conditions. I let go of my desire for power and control. I let go of my desire for affection and esteem. I let go of my desire for survival and security. I let go of my desire to change any situation, condition, person or myself i open the the love and presence of god and the healing action and grace within that last 
that second to last one, I let go of my desire to change any situation, condition, person, or myself, hangs me up every time. <laughs> I have to really concentrate to be able to say it out loud sometimes. Right? Because I want to control everything. I want it my way. So that welcoming prayer is one way. We'll pray that at the end together um, in our closing blessing. But that's one way to begin to let go daily, to relinquish. The last, one, the last thing I want to help us walk through, and, and I want to guide us through this, um, and this is just it's a prayer of release, a prayer of relinquishment. And I'd ask you to just kind of just close your eyes um, and ask yourself, what is it that you're holding on to? What is that self thing that you're holding on to? What is the, the thing that you're, you're having a hard time letting go of? And think of that for a second. What are you holding on to? And you recognize, is that your children, your spouse, your friends, your job, your future, your hopes or your dreams? The way that you think God should have answered your prayers? What are you holding on to? And as you have that in mind, as you already feel the anxiety welling up, would you kind of clench your fist, clench your fist like you, you're holding on and gripping to that thing. And let yourself just feel it. Let yourself feel the tension of that in your fist. Some of you might feel the need to just squeeze a little bit harder. As you clench those fists, Hold it and, and tell God what your fears are around that, what your frustrations are, the issues of control around it. Now I would ask you, okay, when you're ready to relinquish this prayer, release those hands. Release those things to God and allow yourself to walk away and not pick it back up today. He will care for those things how he sees fit. Let me pray for us. Lord God, we know how hard it is to, to yield, to relinquish, to voluntarily give up control 
to give up our desire, to give up the things that we find life in, into your hands. Many times we can say that you are good and you are right. But when it conflicts with our will, we wrestle and we grip and we claw and fight for what we want. Abba, Father, you are good. You are right. You are there for us. And you want to take those things and transform them into something better for our good and for your glory. So Lord, as we relinquish those things today, we trust that you are good. We trust that you care about them more than we do. We need your help and we need your power not to pick it right back up. So come, Holy Spirit, come. As we relinquish these things today,